Welcome to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have real, honest, smart, and sometimes even hilarious conversations about co-parenting, separation, and divorce, and all that goes along with that. I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, Certified Life and Relationship Coach, and Happily Divorced Mom, who helps women decide if they should stay in or leave their marriages, and then guides them through the process one step at a time. Hey loves, it has been a few weeks since I put out a podcast and so I just want to say hey, welcome back. (laughs) Welcome back to me, welcome back to you. So it's been a few weeks for a few reasons. First of all, I have been running an amazing group program with 12 incredible women who have been showing up and bringing everything to the table for the last four weeks. This is the first run of the Should I Stay or Should I Go group program, and we're about a third of the way through it. So because it's the first run, I hand-selected a small group to try some stuff out on, and so far, I got to say, it's kind of off the chain. And I am so proud of all that these women are bringing to their own processes, and I cannot wait to get this program out into the world early next year. So stay tuned for that. And the other reason that it's been a while is that, like many of you, I have been dealing with the re-triggering of my own trauma over the last month or so. And it started when I was taking my group through a module on emotional abuse, which happened to be the week just before the Kavanaugh hearings began. So it has all just flowed together, and it has been a really dark couple of weeks. So that's where we are. And, you know, I'm pulling out of it. And there you have it. But you know, that's the reality, right? So in my program, I have been bringing guest experts in to talk about various topics. And today I am bringing you my friend and colleague, Rian Lockard who is the expert on emotional abuse that I brought into my program. We had such a rich and robust conversation in the video interview we did, as well as in a Facebook Live. And I immediately wanted to have all of the conversations all over again for you guys. So you'll notice that we both sound kind of (laughs) tired and that I'm not my usual bubbly self. And that's really a function of all that's been going on in the last few weeks and how much Rian and I have been holding both for my program participants and for women as a whole. Uh, We're both highly sensitive people. And as deep empaths, we really do feel and carry the weight of all of this. So Without further ado, I bring you my friend and colleague, Rian Lockard. Rian is an intuitive, a medium, she's an interfaith minister, and she's a certified life coach who specializes in helping women out of emotionally abusive relationships. Rian also runs a program called Divine Communication, which I am currently enrolled in and which is awesome, uh, which is about helping you to connect with your spirit guides, your intuition, and so much more. She is so freaking cool. And here she is. Hi, Rian. Thank you so much for coming on to talk about talk about the heavy duty topic of emotional abuse. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I am thrilled that you are here to talk about this. I don't know anybody who talks about this more um, clearly and succinctly and brilliantly than you do. 
Oh, well, thank you. I feel really called to this work. I just feel like there's not enough out there that is clear and succinct. So that's literally what I'm trying to do. So I appreciate you saying that very much. Yeah, for sure. So, well, let's start at the beginning. How do people know if they're being emotionally abused? Well, I would say one thing that's really common in my clients is um, this sense of just like never being okay. Nothing's ever good enough. There's always this uphill struggle feeling in your relationship where it's like, I keep doing what I'm told should be the magic formula. And yet dot, 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 there's always something, right? Like if you're, if there's always something wrong, that's a, a pretty clear sign that there's some, there's some disconnect that's, that's probably anchored in abuse. And um, when you say yeah. that there's like something wrong, it's usually you're being told that you are wrong, right? That something well, you're doing is wrong. So yeah, but I mean, I'm talking like very first inkling, like before we even start to have that level of self-awareness, it's like, this just never feels okay. My relationship never feels happy. Like nothing's ever like nice. You know, if you have a feeling of dread secretly about seeing your person, your significant other, or about them coming home or you having a date with them or going on a vacation, if there's some kind of like, Oh, toxic feeling behind it. Um, you need to start investigating that more. And once that investigation begins, well, that is when the, the people generally tend to discover, Oh, there's never anything that's good enough. And by the way, it always seems like it's my fault. But the realization, like it's always my fault, doesn't always come first when you're first identifying that there's something wrong here. It just feels like this relationship feels toxic and, and pretty bad. Mm, mm, okay. And so now most of us don't become aware at that point, right? <laughs> <laughs> most of us, and most of us come into these relationships pretty naturally, right? So we're not really looking at it at that point. I mean, having experienced this on more than one occasion, I can tell you at that point, right? Our inclination is to work harder to make it better. Right. Yeah, we're like, oh, all we this is when all the like logic and like sentences that we've been programmed with with kick on and it goes, well, you know, all relationships require work, which you know, that's true. Um and then it's like, you know, we we try to have an optimistic, idealistic kind of attitude where we're like, I'm just going to try harder, I'm just going to do better, I'm going to ask for feedback, I'm going to, you know, try to take constructive criticism and we start to and all of these are normal things, okay? These are these are still healthy behaviors. So if you were in a relationship that was having some trouble, this would be a healthy relationship behavior. It would be like, well, what's wrong? Let's have a conversation. Where it starts to turn and where we can we can be investigators and figure out, you know, uh-oh, something's amiss here is when we approach the subject of well, what's wrong in the relationship? And that is when it will be a list of, well, if only you did dot, dot, dot. Mm. There will be a lot of reasons why you are the one who is to blame for the relationship problems. And there will be very few moments when your abuser is taking any personal responsibility for any of the, the troubles in the relationship. And there's not a sense of cooperation and dissecting the situation. It's more of a, here's a list of what you're doing wrong, why you're ruining the relationship, where your shortcomings are. And if you fix them, then things would just be fine. 
Yeah. And some more insidious versions of that, that I have experienced is, I mean, no, I mean, I totally like, I've got stuff to work on too. And like, yeah, I mean, there's the one version of it, which is, it's all you, which feels to me a little more black and white. And then there's the gray one that's even more, I think, manipulative, which is like, no, 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 I totally have stuff to work on too. And I, yeah, no, no, no. Taking that responsibility for almost like the first 5% so that it looks like they're actually taking responsibility for it, but then they don't actually do any of the work. Yeah. So generally what will happen is they'll say, oh, well, here's the problem. It's mostly you. And you'll say, well, I'm not feeling okay about these things that you do. And they'll go, okay, yeah, I can see that. I'll work on that. Um, But then no work actually gets done in that situation whatsoever. Um, And when it gets brought up, um, it's very explosive. So this is another way that you can judge if the relationship is abusive or not. Do you feel safe and comfortable bringing up your feelings? Do you feel safe and comfortable bringing up areas where you're not okay with something that's happening? Or does it feel like the fight and the storm is not worth it to bring it up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that it like actually never there's no progress, right? You're the one doing all the work, all the work, all the work. And then there's something else we told we may be I may be getting ahead of it here, right? Which is that that there's actually in these emotional abusive situations, they're not looking for a solution. Right. So yeah, so that's the progression. The progression will go like, oh, like things never seem to be okay. Let me like figure out why. Um, You talk to your partner. It's sort of a really hostile, volatile situation in which you're left feeling like you're the one who's breaking the relationship and you're making it even worse by bringing it up. And maybe they could do one or two things, but mostly it falls on your shoulders. And then as you start to try to meet their requirements or meet their demands or do what they've said, you know, it's, it's a moving target. It's never good enough. And you look to see what they're doing to participate in their portion of, you know, reconciling the situations. And it's really basically nothing is happening, <laughs> like no progress is really- <laughs> being made on their side. And in fact, if you bring it up, they will dismiss and or diminish your feelings about that. They will be like, well, some of them will overtly be like, well, that was stupid anyway. And they will insult you and your needs by really verbally diminishing them and saying, your needs are stupid. Your needs are pointless. Like, what are you a baby? Like they will put you down. They will use your vulnerability against you and shame you for the ways in which you're asking them to uplift you. Okay. So if you're getting shamed when you're being asked to be uplifted and if they're using like your vulnerabilities against you, um, that's abusive and harmful, you know? And then when you, when you investigate further, you'll see, you know, they're not really doing much to change on a deep soul level. They're just, you know, paying lip service to the situation and redirecting the attention back to the ways in which you're flawed, you're damaged, you're causing all the problems. Right. And they're not interested in actually... So it's not just that they're not interested in doing work on themselves, right? They're not actually interested in solving this problem because the dynamic is based... There's there's literally no amount of work that you could do. They could give you a checklist of 10 things and you could go away and fix them all and then come back with your checklist with everything checked off and they'd give you another 10 things, another new checklist. Absolutely. Like, and that's the trap of this kind of dynamic. It's like the hard truth. And here it is. It's a really hard truth. And it takes a lot of time for people who are being abused to understand this. But the hard truth is um, an abuser wants something different from a romantic relationship 
than the abuse victim does. A victim of abuse or like a quote, average, regular, like nice person is actually looking to have kindness, connection, true intimacy, and love in a relationship. That's what a relationship is. Um, And that's what they seek to have. Somebody who is an abuser is not seeking that. They don't want that kind of relationship fundamentally. What they seek is to control and exploit somebody else. They seek somebody to be subservient to them, somebody to empower them by by doing what they want them to do and by being controlled by them. They're looking for control. They don't know how to connect in a way that is all about love and intimacy. Um, that's not their priority. That's not their goal. That's not what they want from the relationship. They want to control you. They want to um, overpower you. And that is the truth. And that is a hard truth, especially when you're very invested in a relationship. And especially when you actually love this person, um, it's really hard to see and understand that, but it's unfortunately where they're coming from. And once you understand oh, this is all a power play for them. This is all about whether they can control me. And you start to view their behaviors through that lens. Well, a lot of what they're doing makes a lot of sense to you. Whereas before, when you were trying to understand their actions through the lens of love, you were perplexed. It didn't make any sense because if you love me, then why would you do that? And so the question I have to pose to my clients all the time is, well, that's true. If he loves you, why would he do that? He wouldn't, right? So if what could another answer be? Does it, do his actions make sense if he's trying to control you, if he's trying to control the narrative, if he's trying to just overpower you? And then suddenly things start to make a lot more sense. I want to move into like, <laughs> then what? Right, then what do we do? But I want to, I actually want to spend a little bit more time in this identification process, right? Before, before we move into figuring out, oh my God, what do we do? Um, yeah. So what are some other signs that this is happening? Okay, so other things that that are red flags. If you are suddenly not really spending as much time with the people who you love and care about, um, try to figure out if your significant other has made you feel like you can't spend time around those people or made you feel like they don't like those people. Those people are out to get you. If that person, if your if your significant other is controlling your narrative or sort of tainting or poisoning your narrative about your friends and family, this is a supremely red, red flag um, because they're seeking to isolate you from voices of reason. Uh, They're seeking to dismantle your trust within yourself. And then also anybody else who might contribute to pointing out that you're in kind of a fucked up scenario, right? So they want to start to dismantle your ability to trust the people who love you care for you and want to protect you. And then they isolate you from those people. You know, suddenly they think that your sister doesn't really like them and she's rude and blah, blah, blah. And there's some story about how your sister was rude to your significant other. And you know what? Your sister might have been rude because your sister has some intuition happening about, you know, she doesn't like this guy. So it might be true. But the question for you to ask yourself is, well, why would my sister who always has had my back, why would she be rude? Or why would my sister who has sometimes had my back be rude? You know what I mean? Like investigate the the narrative. But if you find yourself isolated from your friends and families, or if you find that, oh, I can't bring my best friend to this thing because, you know, my partner doesn't like her. Well, that's an interesting 
dynamic for you to find yourself in. And now you're forced to choose, which is another red flag. If he or she, your partner is ever saying to you, choose between me and literally anything else. Well, that's a problem right there. Because if they're putting you in that situation, here's a scenario. The thing is, they know you like the thing they're asking you to choose between. So why would they make you choose if it's like me or the gym? Like, you know, me or your favorite like kettlebell class or something. Why would they do that to you unless they're trying to exert their power and control over you? Unless they're trying to say, prove to me, prove to me that you love me more than you love literally anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, You're always having to do that. Even if it's inanimate things like your book or, you know, your favorite TV show or going to the gym or whatever it is, they still will pit you against things on occasion. Um, So that's another one. Especially, right, with people who they know can see through them, right? Oh like like oh your yeah. sister, like your mother, right? They're the people oh yeah. in your life who they perceive as threats because they are the ones who will say to you, this isn't okay. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100% yeah. true. Had that happen, my damn self. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a really real thing. And it happens almost without you realizing it. And then suddenly you start to question how you feel about that person. But it's all just been planted into your mind. It's just planted into your narrative. And this is another thing they do. They they, they strip away your own um, sense of believing yourself, your own security with yourself. And this is called gaslighting. And this is when you will, you will literally say something that has just happened and they will tell you that it did not happen that way. Mm -hmm. Um, An example I have is um, someone I know was in this abusive relationship and the person texted an actual sentence to her and later in conversation, she said the text, she, she reiterated what the text said and her abuser was like, I never said that. Like just, (laughs) (laughs) like, <laughs> and it was right there and she read it back to her and, and it was like, no, I, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't say that like you're misconstruing it, but it's literally uh-huh. right there. And it's the, the design of that is to make you feel crazy. It's designed to make you not trust your own reality or your own interpretations of reality. Uh-huh. Um, if you're constantly like, Oh, I thought it was really clear that this was happening, but now I really don't know. Well, that's a problem. That means that you've, someone's been getting to you into your inner narrative and is dismantling your own ability to trust yourself. And that is the goal. That is the goal, right? It's always like, it's always to keep you off balance. Like the design of the entire thing is to keep you off balance in one way or another. Right. And you see how if we look at these behaviors through the filter of control, it's like, oh, of course, they're just trying to control me. Now it makes sense. But when we look at the behaviors through the filter of love, we're like, I don't understand. Like, we just don't communicate. Well, we don't see eye to eye. Like, we just don't communicate on the same page. She said this, and I thought it meant what she said, but she says it it didn't. And that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand. And you're like, it doesn't make sense because she's lying. Like, the person is not... (laughs) telling you the truth. And that is why, but see, people get so stuck on this point of, I want it to make logical sense. I want to understand why they are acting this way. And it's not until you're willing to see the reality in which perhaps they are trying to control you and they don't actually love you. And I know that is hard. It's like a punch to the chest. I get it. But until you're willing to start to see their behaviors through that lens, you're not going to get it. It's not going to make sense to you because 
Because when you're desperately trying to fit them into the lens of love, they can't, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense because they're not coming from that place. It's so true. And it's so, I mean, just speaking from my own experience with this, uh, it is so painful because you can't wrap your brain around the fact that like, because because of the way that you work and because of the way that you operate and because, and often, right. So here's the other thing with this is that often these relationships start with what we call love bombing. Right. And so we feel it starts off with this intense feeling of love that, right. And so, and that's, what's even more confusing, especially when you've been love bombed, when, the abuser comes at you as if this is, you are their everything. Mm-hmm. You have solved every one of their problems. They, they shower you with gifts or affection or like whatever it is. Yep. And you get sucked into that world. That's when you realize that that's not, that's, that's, I think that's part of why you're constantly trying to put it in the frame of love. Besides the fact that you're a normal human being. <laughs> trying to have a loving relationship, right? Right. It's both. I mean, so they do this on purpose too. They're like, oh, I'm going to dazzle you with love and affection and everything you could ever imagine. And they're charismatic and they're charming because they know how to put on this specific kind of show because they've been doing this their whole life. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they dazzle you and they set the threshold and they set the bar really high. And you're like, oh my gosh, I found this perfect, amazing person. And then all of a sudden it's not that anymore. But they say to you, you could have it again if you just behave correctly. Mm. So now jump through my hoops, do my circus act, perform as I tell you to, and it will all come back to you. Just do the right thing. Why can't you just do the right thing? Well, if only you were doing the right thing, I could be as nice to you as I want to be. I want to be. I was before. Don't you remember how good things were before? Why aren't you doing the right thing? And it's impossible. You can't do the right thing. They don't actually want to ever give that to you again. They only did it to hook you in, to get you into their show, to get you into their situation so that they can have you for themselves Um, so that you can meet their needs. It's honestly like pretend you're interacting with some otherworldly creature, like some kind of vampire or something who is charming you into their lair because that is way more in alignment with reality than anything else, quite frankly. So here's the deal. I don't talk about this publicly as, as you know, I don't, but you are describing my marriage right? You know this. Mm -hmm. I've talked about this and I don't talk about this publicly. So this is sort of a coming out (laughs) on my podcast. And part of the reason I don't talk about this publicly that much is because um, I have a very good and strong relationship with my ex-husband now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now that we are no longer married, now that I, I opted out of this game, And because we have a child together, it's very important to me that um, I maintain that relationship. But it's very, it's very complicated. And so having this conversation is actually, I'm just going to be really like honest and transparent about this. Having this conversation is difficult because you are laying out the exact roadmap of my marriage. And the thing that is so hard about it is how hard it is to see when you're in it. Yes. Because when you lay it out like that, it sounds very black and white and it sounds Mm -hmm. very... I'm like, well, fuck yeah. Why, why doesn't she just leave? Right. <laughs> As we all know. Yeah. And I had a woman on my podcast, uh, you know, many months ago, uh, who was physically abused for, I think it was something like 35 years before she mm. realized 
that what she was experiencing was physical abuse. And that is how insidious these things are. This is how, and she's a smart woman. She's no dummy. You know, when we don't know the signs, when we don't recognize them, when we are as codependent as I was, uh, when we don't have the strength and the wherewithal and the systems, I mean, I had systems around us. I literally had people saying to me, this is wrong. This is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, those were, again, the friendships that, that, you know, that didn't make it. And for, you know, better and worse, by the way, um, there were some that, that also reflected similar stuff. Cause I like to choose many of these kinds of people. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's something that you've said to me before, which is that it, it takes eight tries to leave. Yes. And so I just want to, I just kind of want to say that like, he, listen, I am a really intelligent uh, woman. I have always been really intelligent. I didn't just get intelligence three years ago. I'm self-sufficient. I'm like, I'm all of these things. I am like the antithesis of what you might expect would get into this kind of relationship. And yet it is my truth. So I just kind of want to say that. Yeah. Because... I, I want to say that it's while it may sound black and white, if you are in this and having trouble getting out, oh my God, please do not beat yourself up for how difficult this actually is to see because the gaslighting is strong and the gaslighting is fucking real. It's so real and it's designed to make you question all of it. And that's real too. And you know, anyone who is on the, on the end of the abuse, it, they are a person with a heart and a soul. They are a person who really wants to love. And so the thing of this is, is that you're constantly trying to make excuses for your abuser because you love them. Um, because you want this to work because you believe you've seen goodness in them from time to time. And you think that if only you could X, Y, Z, then they would be able to be the the good person that you feel that they could be. And, you know, that's nice. But first of all, it's not anyone's job to make anyone else be a good person. We know this intellectually, but, but we get really tricked by like love and by our belief that it's our job to provide a certain environment for someone to, you know, feel the way they need to feel in order to, to do their self-work. But the, the reality is like you have most likely given your spouse opportunity after opportunity to do their self-work mm-hmm. and they are not taking that opportunity. And it's because they don't choose to, not because they don't have the ability to, or they don't have the space to. Um, And so, you know, and it takes someone on average eight tries to leave. Um, So, you know, if you, you're almost going to get out and you're only at four tries, you could still leave at four tries. (laughs) It's still possible. You You don't have to keep trying. You can just walk out the door. If I go back and I count the breakup before we got married and all of that, no, it was probably three or four, but yeah. But I mean, it can take a lot of tries to leave depending on where your self-worth is and where your self-esteem is. And, you know, if you feel like you have stable support systems, but, you know, we all do too in these situations have people who are like clear as day saying to us, 
what are you even doing? Because they're baffled. They don't understand it. And, and you know, we I might even reply, I don't even know. Because we can sort of see it, you know? Like, we are aware something is wrong. And yet we are still compelled to try and try again to try to do that magic formula until we're just like, you know what? F it. I don't, it's not worth it. It's worth it until it's not. And only you know when that tipping point is. And you know, it's really hard to talk about. And we've had conversations about this in the past that haven't been as hard, but I will say coming off of the week that we've just had, it's even more difficult. So I'm just noticing, I just want to say that, can I say something about that for a second? I would love you to. And okay. for people who are listening, I just want to, if you're listening sometime in the future, we are, <laughs> what, three days um, after the yeah. hearings. <laughs> so we are, yes. Yeah. So, so the Kavanaugh hearings have been happening, you know, in our current reality. And I have been ranting on social media, as you know, about the ways in which this is an abuse dynamic from the media to the population. Because what's happening is those of us who have been assaulted or abused in any capacity are right now being forced to confront our vulnerability, our shame, our pain, our trauma. You can't turn on the TV. You can't scroll through your newsfeed. You can't do anything without it being in your face. And the worst part about it is that what's happening on the stage, the, the, the stage of politics, the stage of our government, it's exactly what has happened to many of us in our personal lives. And this this applies to sexual abuse and sexual assault, but it also applies to the ways in which we're abused in relationships. So that's why I want to draw a parallel here for a second. Yeah. Because yeah. what's happening to us and what's happening on the political stage is this. A very brave woman is speaking her truth and is saying, this happened to me. And she's being dragged through the mud. She's being not believed by default. She's being told the ways in which she's wrong. She's being gaslighted. Are you sure? Are you sure it went that way? Where's your proof? I don't see your proof. And by the way, that is a super gaslighty thing that a person will do. They will say to you, tell me my exact words and sentences. Tell me all the evidence. Explain to me exactly what happened in that exact moment when you were offended. And if you have one lapse of anything, they're like, you're wrong. Your, your opinion doesn't count. And that is so messed up because it's not the exactness. It's the energy of it. Right. But And also my brain doesn't work like that. No one's brain works like that. No one's brain works like that. Aside from like the few five geniuses who have like photographic memory and then MIT or something. Like my former Mm -hmm. best friend and my former husband, both of whom were really emotionally abusive and exactly the same thing. Like they have photographic memories. They can literally say, no, you said this word and I said that word. And I'm, and I'm lost. I can't argue that. I can't, I cannot come back at that because but here's the thing you don't you don't have to and i give everyone listening and you and myself permission to not have to do that and to still be right you know what i mean like that's some bullshit right there (laughs) i'm sorry but it is no it it is and and you know here's the other thing about the kavanaugh hearings that that is that it's not it's also the collective the collective voice that's saying we're telling you something is happening here Yes. We're telling you and them saying, no, it's not. Or even worse, exactly. it doesn't matter. Exactly. And they're, 
And, you know, before they decided to stop and have the F, I didn't, I did not know what I was going to do if they didn't do the investigation because it was literally like lying down and being raped all over again. Yes. We're saying stop, no, stop, stop, no. Mm -hmm. And they're ramming it through. Yeah. Like we don't fucking matter. It's true. It's so true. There were so many layers of it that were triggering for me, not the, you know, having been, you know, a survivor of sexual assault and abuse and all of those things and emotional abuse. Like the whole thing has been so. Well, it's been so triggering and, and it's really nicely though. The one, the one almost okay thing is that this really illustrates what we're talking about right here on this podcast today, where it's like, do you see how these people are saying this happened and, and the system of oppression is like, no, it did not prove it. Fine. Maybe something happened, but it doesn't matter. I don't care. You know what I mean? And this is what yep. will happen with a person in an argument or in a situation with their abusive relationship. They will say, here's my feelings. Here's this very real experience that traumatized me. And the abuser will go, it didn't happen like that. I don't believe you. That's not what I was saying. That's not what went down. And even if it did, you're a baby. Stop crying. I don't care. You know what I mean? They will yep. They will dismantle you left and right and left and right. And so even if you haven't been sexually assaulted, um, this was still really probably very challenging for many people because of that dynamic where it's just like, here we go again. A really painful truth is getting brought to the surface against my wishes. Like that was the thing I kept saying. I don't even want this to be true. And yet I'm being forced to talk about it. And in order to prove that this thing that I didn't even want to have happen is happening. And that, you know, they won't even believe me anyway. It's not like I want this to be true. It's not like you want to feel abused in your relationship. It's not like you want to feel diminished, unloved, uncared for. You don't want it. Seeking attention. You're just like, Oh yeah, that's that's totally what I'm doing. (laughs) You're making everything about you says the person who literally makes the whole thing about them. And that's how this kind of thing always goes down. And you, you don't want your truth to be true, but you're, but you're fighting to speak it and you're still being just squashed to the ground. Your vulnerability is thrown in your face. You feel like nothing. You feel broken. And that is what an abusive dynamic is. And unfortunately it's happening in our you know, public arena right now, but it's also happening for many people in their personal lives also. And it's not okay. Yep. Yeah. So this, you know, this, so this back and forth, right? The navigating the back and forth and being kind to yourself about the fact like, oh my God, like we can't, it's so hard to see. It's so hard to feel. It's so hard to comprehend. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it gets so hard for us that our brain like breaks and we just are like, no, I must've been wrong. I'm just going to be fine with this. And you just go right back in because you can't handle it. It, Sometimes it just needs to be incrementally done because it's too much for you to take on at once. And so the recipe for that is gentleness with yourself as much as you possibly can. So what do we do? What does someone do who is starting to wreck? If someone who's listening to this right now and their jaw is on the floor or their mind like, you know, synapses are kind of firing all over the place and they're realizing that we're identifying exactly what's been happening for them. Yeah. What now? 
Well, and on that note, I do want to say a lot of my clients are shocked that I can predict what's going on or that I really understand it. And aside from the fact that I am an intuitive, I'm like, well, no, there is a formula for this. So, you know, look to the formula. And I also have my clients write their own story down um, because sometimes you can't see your truth when it's in your mind and about you. But if you write down the things that have happened to you in the third person and be like, she did this and then he did that. And she did, you know, you can start to see what's going on a little clearer. So that's an actual tangible um, exercise you can do that might help you. Um, But yeah, but as to the question, you know, what, what now? Well, I would say the first thing to do is to start to admit to yourself that perhaps this isn't okay. And perhaps this is abuse. Your brain has been trying to keep you safe for so long that it has been preventing you from having this realization because this is a very big realization. It's been trying to to twist and morph everything into a circumstance in which this is all out of love. It's all okay. There must be some other reason. Like maybe it is me, you know, it's your brain would often rather have you hate yourself than have you understand that you're being abused. Um, so go gentle. Can you, you, yeah. Can you repeat that? Your brain, (laughs) your brain would often, and just seriously, your brain is more comfortable with you hating yourself than with you realizing that you're being abused. It takes adjusting to the idea that maybe there's, maybe there's not something wrong with you and maybe what's happening to you is not okay. Um, for some reason, it's really hard for your brain to accept that it's because, you know, cause you wouldn't do this to someone else. So it can't really fathom, you know, that, that someone could be doing this to you. You know, and even if you've, you know, misbehaved or acted out in your relationship or not done things that you're proud of, you're not coming from a place of trying to control and harm someone. And so because you're coming from love, your brain tries to twist everything into, oh, it must be coming from love. So the first step, honestly, awareness is the, is the key to change, right? So the first step is to say to yourself, I am being abused or what if this is abuse or what if this isn't okay? And to start to just tell yourself, okay, this is emotional abuse. And to just sit with that for like a few days or even a week or whatever you need, just sit with it and let yourself adjust to, you know, validating your truth and validating your own reality, which is you are being abused and it is not okay. That's really sad. And I wonder if, and I wonder if part of that might also be shifting that lens from what if this is control, not love? Yeah, that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I often tell my clients, like, you know, I ask them, are you willing to have a different paradigm, you know, in whatever we're working on? And if they're not, I say, are you willing to be willing? So, oh my God, we're like, this is why we're friends because I (laughs) talk about that all the time. Be willing. Just willing to be willing. Are you willing to be willing? Right? We're not... I mean, in 12-step work, there are two entire steps devoted to willingness, to becoming Mm -hmm. willing. (laughs) I mean, really, it's a big thing. And that's that's speaking to that part of your brain that really needs the slow adjustment, where it's like, I've been believing this is all me. I've been believing I'm terrible. And now I'm trying to think, well, what if I'm not so awful? You know, and go ahead. If if you are awful, guess what? You can do some self-work later and fix all of that. Like, that's fine. But what if this is happening to you, not because you're awful, but because you are with an abusive person? person? What if you're in an abusive relationship? Are you willing to be willing to see that? Are you willing to be willing to see 
What if this comes from control and not love? Just to take measure of it, just to take stock of it. You know, and I always remind my clients, you can know something and not act on it because people are terrified. Okay. People are terrified that if they realize they're being abused, that that means that tomorrow they have to pack their bags and get out. No, you don't. But you know, you're in charge of, of your actions. Okay. You're in charge of the timeline. You're in charge of the speed in which this proceeds or does not. It's up to you. But you know, I want you to live in reality. So are you willing to start to see that maybe what's going on here isn't because you're horrible and awful and wrong and terrible. And maybe it's because you're with an abuser and this is not an okay relationship. It's just not. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yep. I love the idea that we say that like, once we become aware of something, we immediately want to jump into action. We immediately want to change it. Right. Once we see it, we're like, ah, get it off, get it off. Right. Well, right. But then it's scary. It is scary. And, and to take that pressure away, right. Where it's awareness, there's aware, first comes awareness, then Mm -hmm. comes acceptance, right? It is a process. It is a long process of acceptance. And before we can get into any action, we have to come into this place of acceptance. Absolutely. And like, please bless yourself with gentleness and and calmness because you can take this at whatever pace you want. Some people figure out their abuse and they do leave the next day. Some people figure out they're being abused and they're like, they have to sit with it. There's no playbook for how you handle this. It's just about what works for you. So, so there's that. So there's awareness. Then there's like accepting perhaps you're being abused. There's finding out that it might not be okay. And like, paying attention to where the actions are coming from. And then what you want to do is you want to sort of start to reach back out. And what I mean by that is to all the people who you actually trust or actually have your best interest, you don't need to talk to them about this, but you might want to just start to reformulate your safety net a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be about, you know, you don't have to call your mom and be like, he's abusing me. But you can call her and be like, hey, haven't talked to you in a, in a month or two. How are you doing? And just start to get your safety net back in place. Start to slowly like recreate your systems again. You might get some kickback from your abuser for this. So, you know, you might want to keep it to yourself that you're doing it. You know, and I would encourage you to reach out for professional help, you know, a therapist or a coach or somebody like that to try to support you in taking the steps to getting out of the relationship. Once you're aware there's a problem, it's really highly encouraged to outsource figuring out that solution to the professionals. Yeah. And the one thing I want to say we haven't mentioned here, and I really want to, oh my God, I want to make this abundantly clear. The very last thing that you want to do is go to your abuser and tell them that you figured out that they're an abuser. Oh, right. <laughs> By the way, um, I did this. <laughs> it doesn't work. Shockingly, people oh my God. go, oh my God, you're right. I'm abusive. The high horrible of me let me change that. I got to tell you, though, that is such a common impulse and everybody does it. Like everybody's like, I know who you are. You're an emotional abuser. And then they get wondered how it gets all twisted around on them. And it, they, they think, and then, oh my gosh, here's a real thing. They start to get twisted. Like it gets so twisted and thrown back in their face that the victim of abuse becomes convinced that they are the abuser and the yeah. perpetrator is the victim. And that is such a common thing that happens all the time. And I have so many clients that are like, am I the abuser? I think I might be the abuser. And I am just like, so first of all, I do 
have a video about that on my um, YouTube channel. But second of all, like, I just want to say, where are you coming from? Do you come from love? Do you feel bad when you hurt somebody else, especially the person that you love? If so, you are not an abuser. Someone can do something that is abusive. You can act out. You could throw something. You can scream and shout at somebody. That is an abusive behavior, but you are not an abuser. An abuser is someone who is in a, you know, systematic, like, pattern of behavior designed to dismantle somebody else's self-esteem, self-worth. Um, it's a systematic system of behavior designed to like control another person. It doesn't come from love. It comes from control. It comes from sort of um, evil kinds of intentions, to be honest with you. So no, you're not an abuser. Um, but if you bring this information to your abuser, you will leave the conversation really wondering if you're like this horrible, horrible, horrible person, because that's what they're going to do with that. It's so, I love it. It's like, you will, right? It, and that's, and that is so part of, I love the, I, I don't love the idea. It's a horrible idea, but <laughs> um, that it's a systematic pattern of behavior yes. and it, you're not going to break it by telling them that this is what they're doing. And, and partly, you know, this leads into a little bit like about why do they do it? And I know you have a video about this on your on your YouTube channel as well, all of which will be linked in the show notes. But why do they do it? Because it's it's not like they're like, I'm going to be abusive and systematically, you know, have the systematic part of behavior to destroy this person. Like, they, that's not their thought process, right? This is no. not a conscious... Well, I think to a degree, part of it is it is conscious, to be honest with you. I mean, some okay. of them are definitely consciously, like they see an opening and they take it. They see an opportunity to harm and they, they utilize it. Um, but, you know, energetically, personally, I believe that they are feeding off of Destro destroying you. I, I think that they are like getting high on causing you pain. I have witnessed this so many times, you know, they are like, aware that they can dismantle you. They are aware that if they, if they see you feeling okay about something, I mean, just run this experiment with yourself. If you're ever in a good mood and talking about something that makes you happy, bring that to your abuser and see how quickly they'll take the wind out of your uh, I mean, it's quick. It and is quick. It is quick. quick. Or, yeah. yeah, or, or go to a party and have everybody else oh, be yeah. really super nice to you and oh, loving you and ignoring you and leave the party and be given a list of everything right. you did that was wrong and embarrassing. I'm having like a stress flashback just from you saying that sentence. Like, seriously, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, like what they, they like, it, it's like you're a balloon and they suck all the air out of you. You know what I mean? Because they can't stand it. And uh, this comes from a scarcity mentality. People who are abusive do not believe there's enough of anything that they want. So they don't think there's enough like kindness. They don't think there's enough love. They don't think there's enough, you know, consideration or respect or whatever. They don't think there's enough sex. They don't think there's enough love or attraction. They, they're the scarcity mentality. And so if they see you giving any kindness to anybody else, they are going to think that you're taking away from their pile of kindness that you could have been sharing with them. Whereas really, you know, sane and grounded, rational people who come from an abundance mentality are like, there is infinite kindness. There's enough kindness for me to give to you, to the cat, to everybody, to, to, to this lady at the store. There's not a, 
finite amount of kindness to be had. And yet if you're kind to someone, if you are loving to someone, if you are literally, if you're happy, you must be stealing happiness from them. You must be stealing love from their pile of love that they could have had, which is why they seek to isolate you because they want all of everything you have to give. And they don't want you to give it to anybody else, including yourself. They are feeding off of your energy. They are like eating all of your joy. They're sucking it up and it gives them a high. I swear to you. I, I just really feel this. They it gives so, them a high to watch you crumble. You, I mean, you're, you're, I, I want to vomit right now. I want to throw, I know. You're hundred percent yeah. correct. But what's even worse about it is that it's not even like they appreciate the love that you're giving them. Right. And so mm-hmm. it would be sort of cute if they were like, I just want to like huddle in this, in this teepee with you and, and suck up all your love. But that's not what's happening. <laughs> no, it's not like, let's love each other in this little teepee and let's just us against the world. Like let's like cuddle in and like, it's let's have a little love fest. It's not like the love is manifesting more love and generating more love. It's no. like, give me all of your love because I'm afraid there's not enough and it won't be good enough. And I won't even have a minute to enjoy it because I'm scared. There's not enough. And I'm scared. You're going to give more. Are you hiding and, more love for someone else? What are you doing? Let me like, and that's, this is why they're stopping to break you. Yeah, for yeah. all the ways in which you're doing it wrong anyway. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and let me bring up past times when you gave your love to somebody else. Never do that again. And let me remind you of this. And let me remind you of that. And let me, you know, and let me control the way you give me your love. It's just like never enough. And it is so stressful. It's so awful. And, it, you know, it's like I haven't even been in this in 10 years and I am like, I know, right? But you're feeling it. I'm, I'm feeling so it too. Stress. And of course, I do think it's coming off of this week because I feel like I'm right. a walking open wound. For sure. But that's why this is so timely. I mean, like, enough is enough. Like, we cannot even like sustain this anymore. Like, it's just not acceptable. But it's on all levels of life. But like, don't let this into your heart. Don't let this into your personal, like, like we all want love. Like, is this the relationship that you wanted in your heart when you were younger like is this is this what you imagined it would be like to be in love don't you have goals don't you have dreams like that's what I anchored myself back into like what did I want Mm -hmm. and it has to be possible because I know that I want that so somebody else on earth has to also want that too and I just had to get to that tipping point where I was like you know whatever you, we do not want the same things. We do not bring out the good in each other, you know? Yeah. That's it. And it's really when we go unconscious, like if anyone listening to this is going unconscious and finding their mind wandering and unable to like grasp and maintain and like retain these concepts and thoughts, that's what's happening. Um, You're getting so confronted by the information that it's like, I keep, I keep hearing you say things, Rian, and I'm like, yeah, I want to respond to that. And by the time it comes up around, I, I have no idea. Well, and that's why we have to go gentle with ourselves because this is a process and it's like requires immense kindness. And I always say, treat yourself the way you wish your partner had been treating you this whole time. Like just offer yourself love, patience, gratitude, acceptance, like gentleness, delicacy, like offer yourself those things because that is what you're craving because that's what you need in order to proceed forward. Yes. Yes. 
you know, about, about doing like working on a relationship, right? P- part of the gaslighting, and I think the part of the gaslighting we start to do to ourselves is, well, relationships are work, right? We, mm-hmm. I have to do, I have to do relationships are work. And here's the thing, relationships actually are work, um, yeah. right? But it's, there are two way street of work. It's two people standing side by side state saying, what do we need to do? What do we need to do collectively and individually? Well, here's the thing. Yes. Yeah. Relationships are teamwork. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. working together. Uh-huh. It's both of you working. It's you calling each other up and saying like, how are we going to tackle this? Or I'm getting really triggered by that. And the other person going, okay, I'm hearing you. Uh, what would be helpful right now? Should we take five and like reconvene later? Like, what do we need to do? It's teamwork. Relationships are teamwork. They're not like, are you fighting against your partner? Like, are you guys pitted against each other? It's right. so, like, that's not healthy work. That is just a destructive dynamic. Yes. And I, and I, I think that's really a really key point that when you say, when you say to your partner, Hey, this triggers me, their response should be, Oh, okay. Got it. Or like something, I'm sorry, like something along those lines. If their response is what the fuck are you talking about? That's stupid or any, anything else besides how can I help? That's a problem. That is a huge red flag. Yeah. And I mean, if they're belittling you or if they're steamrolling your boundaries and just like, like, this is one of my definitions of abuse, right? It's someone is abusing you if you have a boundary and they just steamroll it every time. If you establish a boundary and you say, don't speak to me that way, and they just completely traipse over top of it, that's abuse, right? Uh, The definition of abuse is someone not respecting what you say you need. And so if that's happening, then there's abuse present. And, yes. and that's, that's a really big red flag right there. Yeah. And they do it enough. They do it so many times that you stop asking yourself what you need and what you yeah. want. Right. And you don't even try to enforce it. And then they, they, they put, like you said, they belittle your boundary. They'll be like, Oh, poor baby. Or they'll talk down to you or they will, you know, call your boundary stupid to begin with or make, make fun of you for even trying to assert it and a whole host of other things that, that retreat you back into your shell. So, all right. First, admit it. Admit that yep. it's okay. Admit it's happening. Have that awareness. Um, start reaching back out to yeah. other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, seek professional help from a coach or a yep. therapist. Yeah. And you know, and it's okay to do that secretly, please. Like I give you full permission to yes. do that secretly. If you I like, go ahead and call your abuser and abuse it to their face. If you can't resist it, like we all have done it. Um, I would <laughs> encourage you not to, but you know, some of us have that light bulb moment and can't keep it to ourselves. It's going to be a, a huge thing, but, but whatever, but seek your professional support on the DL if you can, because, um, if you are serious about getting help, then you need to get help. And if they're aware that you're getting help, um, they're going to try to dismantle that in every possible way. Yeah, because they're losing control. That's yep. the thing, is that once you become aware, they start to lose control. And they you will... know, ask yourself this, if it comes from love, wouldn't they want you to get support? If it comes from love, wouldn't they be like, yeah, go talk about me without me present. I have nothing to hide. It's fine. Wouldn't they support you getting help? 
you know, a lot of them are like, well, I'll go with you. And then they sit in the therapy office and they try to taint the therapist's perspective of them. They turn on the charm. They bring up things. They overpower you with words. They manipulate the conversation in front of the therapist. And that comes from control. So seek help on your own and don't invite them in unless or until your therapist suggests it, you know? Yes. Yes. Well, we could have this conversation all day, which we have done a few times. <laughs> Is there anything else, any parting words of wisdom that you want to uh, impart to our listeners? Yeah, I want to tell everybody, you know, first of all, it's not your fault if you find yourself in this situation. Really good hearted, kind and beautiful people are in these circumstances specifically because you are good hearted, kind and beautiful. And, you know, it's hard for you to recognize that in yourself at this point, but believe me, it's, it's there. It's a part of you. And, and it's sad. Um, and it's not your fault. However, it is at a certain point, your responsibility to save yourself from what you're enduring. Mm -hmm. And, it might feel really overwhelming. It is really overwhelming. But if you reach out for support, if you are willing to be willing to slowly get yourself out of this, if you are willing to see your own self-worth, you can get free of this. And I got to tell you, the world is an abundant place full of love, enough love for you, enough love for everybody. Um, and so you've been sucked into believing that something is wrong with you. You're damaged. Maybe you're broken. Maybe you deserve what you're getting. And I have to tell you, none of that is true. You are a beautiful person. And we know this because you feel what's happening so deeply. That's your soul crying out to you. And so it just takes a little willingness to start to reach out for your highest good and, and you will be okay. That is a gorgeous note to leave this on. And I'm not going to add anything to it. Thank you so much. For Thank you for having me. Your amazing wisdom. I adore you. I adore you too. Thanks for listening to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. You can find me over at kateanthony.com and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.